0: This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers, by writers and readers. Hello, and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan,
1: And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, you can't take the sky from me. Weird Westerns and why we love them.
0: See, even though you just said those words, the theme tune immediately came into my head.
1: I know it's a great theme tune. It is
0: a, it is a fantastic <laughs> theme tune, and I think that's part of the problem.
1: Although I looked the lyrics up to check that I had actually got it right, because you know sometimes you'll sing along to something and you sing you you sing what you think are the right lyrics, and they're actually subtly wrong. Yeah, and it's actually a really really simple song. I was just looking at it, thinking there's not a whole lot of lyric here. It's just it's so evocative. What it, I mean, this is not what this episode is about. No. I've gone <laughs> tangent already, which is not good. But... <laughs>
0: It is. It's it's evocative. Um, And I think it's evocative because it it puts the whole mood of the Western. Now, this episode um, is actually brought to us uh, by uh, Taylor K. Denwood, um, who requested it on Twitter. Um, She very kindly just said, hey, do you want to, could you do something like this? And both Jules and I were like, ooh, (laughs) yes this sounds like a really really interesting episode um so here we are so taylor um if you're listening to this this one is because of you so thank you very much for the suggestion we love getting them
1: we do um and i for one certainly love a good weird western
0: yeah me too
1: yeah um, also, isn't it a nice change that an episode has come not from me getting annoyed with Twitter, but from someone requesting something of us?
0: Yeah, Twitter just tends u- is usually like a, a sort of a, ho- a hot pool of just of things to annoy Jules, which she then has to come and talk about. Whereas this time, it's actually something very pleasant has come out of it, and I think that that's great. It's healthy. Yes.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, seriously though, this is an area of speculative fiction we haven't touched on before, no. not really anyway. I'm sure we've mentioned Firefly and a few other things, yeah. but it's kind of weird that we haven't touched on it because it's quite a, you know, it's it, it okay, it's a niche subgenre, but it's one that's definitely growing mm-hmm. and more enthusiasm is is being, you know, developed for it. So it's weird that we haven't touched it before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good subject because it's one of those subgenres. Which shows how versatile and yet utterly comprehensible a genre mashup can be.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And it, it, (laughs) I think there's something about it, and we'll we'll go go into it, which is just immediate immediately engaging.
2: Yeah, Um, definitely. The
0: setup and the things I'm not even going to say the setting because as we will look at um the setting doesn't even actually need to be an actual physical place you look at firefly um and it's the setup more than the setting really which gives yeah. it that western feel but we will um will we'll get into it um and uh, as jules has written here <laughs> very handily in the notes let's get into the tumbleweeds about it so you should be ashamed jules
1: oh come on you'll have to let me have that one I'm
0: going to let you have it but you should be ashamed
1: <laughs> tumbleweeds are cool <laughs> they're they look terrifying dead, they're, they're not, they look dead but they're not dead so they're rolling along in the wind and then they sort of go ah oh, I finally reach fertile land and they just sort of propagate
0: yeah which is actually kind of a really terrifying prospect if you think about it because you could just be you know imagine that on a more sort of carnivorous level <laughs> oh yeah meat eating
1: sentient tumbleweeds <laughs> yeah. would be terrifying <laughs> there's no getting away from that but you know our our average tumbleweeds that just you know soil and water etc yeah that's cool yeah
0: it is
1: okay um well that's the second tangent within four minutes so i think that's almost a record for us
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's get back to the main topic um what is weird western
1: yeah uh well first of all let's distinguish what a western is yeah um because westerns themselves are a somewhat niche genre, although pretty much everyone knows what mm-hmm. you mean when you say, "Oh, I've I've written a western," or "I was watching a spaghetti western." Yeah, um, uh, and it's certainly a niche genre over here in the UK because you know we're not frontierland and haven't been for you know a couple of thousand years. Yeah, um, but you know the the classics, the really good ones, definitely have a following. Yeah. And while I'm not an avid reader of traditional westerns um there's always a few that are kind of like yeah they've really they really got me kind of thing yeah i'm obviously thinking of true grit for example
0: yeah absolutely so a western is generally set in the u.s and it has its roots in the american histories of westward expansion so in one respect it is a subgenre of historical fiction However, it does have its own fixed tropes and archetypes, so you could as easily consider it a form of crime or adventure fiction as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a, a big thing, really. I mean, most historical fiction has obviously got a little bit of something else in there mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. because if it wasn't, then it would just be a history textbook. Um, yeah, And let's be honest, an awful lot of Westerns that were written weren't terribly historically accurate even though you know the setting is obviously historical
0: yeah Um, it's i mean it's a little bit like modern day sort of regency you know fiction which we obviously had an episode about there it's become its own thing so it's more of an aesthetic than an actual historical kind of yeah it's a holi-
1: holiday in the past kind of yeah, thing. yeah
0: absolutely um Although, and, you know
1: le- less dance cards and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more gunslinging yeah <laughs> cattle rustling yeah. etc um yeah there is a huge chunk of american history here and you know that's not my strong suit no. because i'm mostly sort of looking at uk and irish history uh but like all history things get a bit messy mm-hmm. for a bit read a lot um, and it's really beyond the scope of this episode to come to dig into all the issues and the bloodshed that came from westward expansion yeah. because whenever one culture expands um, and comes into contact with another culture or several cultures as maybe, then quite often there is a-, a certain amount of altercation or in this case really terrible altercation yeah um, that being said It wasn't just about bloodshed. A lot of times there was a a lot of sort of... It was kind of like the Saxons coming to England. There was a lot of intermarriage and um, allotting of land and cooperation going on as well. Yeah. Um, It's just that people report on the bad news first. Um, Yeah. But... Anyway, that's that's more than we can actually go into. And we just don't want to we don't want to say we're talking about weird westerns and then westerns are this and then not say, oh, yeah, by the way, this is incredibly problematic as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we've we've got to acknowledge that. But as Jill said, we just wouldn't have time to kind of get into all the knit and grit of it. And to be honest, I also in some ways feel like we're not really quite qualified at our current level i would certainly want to do a lot more reading about it um yeah. before i, mean, I, I'd I started be... talking about it very very seriously
1: i mean even if we just think in terms of land mass and area yeah it's so huge that you know you have specialized books on certain you know 100 200 mile tracts so yeah um while i would feel more confident sort of giving general facts in one area in other areas i'd be like oh no way i home, i'm all at sea we're talking about 400 years of history here over a huge amount of land yeah and among with about well, 115 plus <laughs> cultures
2: yeah
1: but um, it's like no i'm i'm as madeline quite rightly says i'm not qualified to talk about that
0: yeah so this is our acknowledgement of these things um but let's uh let's get into the sort of the knit and grit so um uh, what are the tropes of Western fiction?
1: Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the traditional Western fiction as it was originally written, uh, it it is almost always an all-male cast of sort of lone riders, cowboys or slash cowpokes. They, they use the word cowpoke to mean the same thing as in someone who rides around and sort of prods the cattle to get them going. Yeah. <laughs> which is basically what cowboy was um, because, you know, quite a few of them turned out to be women. Yeah. So now they say cowpokes, which I don't think sounds any better,
0: no.
2: quite
1: frankly. Um, but yeah, obviously lawmen, outlaws, etc, uh, etc. Et but yeah, initially it was very much a, this is a boy's own adventure type story set in a slightly fictionalised historical past. And, you know, sometimes there's crime elements in that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm like, OK, so, so I've got to ask, did, did you ever play cowboys when you were a kid?
1: yeah we didn't just call it cowboys
0: Um, no (laughs) no one did but (laughs) yeah we
1: we absolutely did and a lot of that was born out of the sort of spaghetti i mean okay way back in my day when we only had four tv channels before the advent of sky they used to play spaghetti westerns on channel four on a sunday yeah you couldn't avoid seeing a couple of them And they're dreadful. And they all seem to use the same rock formation for some reason. It's like, who's riding around that rock formation this week?
0: (laughs) They had one rock formation in Hollywood and they were, by God, were they going to use it? I mean,
1: and okay, I'm just going to say it because, you know, quite a few... a few sort of native american tribes have come back and said actually we prefer being called american indians so yeah we used to play cowboys and indians not realizing that there was a real issue there and that a lot of what we had learned from tv was was incredibly incorrect yes Um, we also used to play cops and robbers or goodies and baddies which were essentially the same thing yeah goodies and baddies was when we were feeling really uncreative
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah, and we, we used to play exactly the same thing, though it was more of a versus game, if that makes sense. Neither was the good guy, neither was the bad guy. It was just we were both against each other kind of
1: thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you if I went back and sort of audited a few of my childhood games, I'd be like, yeah, no one's really in the right here, are they? This is just a chance to pit this group of people against this group of people.
0: Yeah, it's and it... Again, this is a childhood thing because and because of, you know, these spaghetti westerns that that would be on TV, um, but and then would also be parodied. And I think that's the big thing is that they were so popular and they were so sort of kind of within the public sort of eye that you would get parodies of it in cartoons and things like that. Um, yeah. and so we were kind of surrounded by parodies of a parody of a parody, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
2: and,
0: and yeah, it appealed to that sense of adventure, didn't it?
1: It did. It absolutely did. Um, particularly if you had a slightly more ornate game where you actually you had you had imaginary horses and stuff as well, yeah. which was which was pretty cool. Um in my head it was pretty cool. Yeah, didn't you, t- you take the now, jump
0: rope it... and it becomes a lasso. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's... uh, I don't think you can really blame kids for that. I mean, certainly we didn't have access to the same levels of information. And I think I was about eight before someone pointed out to me. And it was... i am Actually, I can tell you who it was. It was Mr. Hennessy, who was my one male primary school teacher. Mm -hmm. And he... It wasn't just me personally. It was the entire class. But he was talking about Native Americans. And we were kind of like, what? He's like, well, you know, technically... They white people went over from Europe and they called them Indians because they had dark skin and they had had encounters with people from actual India, but they're not actually from India and we were like, "Hang on a minute, you're telling us that these people do actually exist. It's not a fantasy type thing, yeah, obviously we didn't use those words, but it's it's really kind of like the it it we'd have been no less astonished if he'd said, "No, you go over there and there are actually dragons kind of thing because we didn't it was it was make believe
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know we've got to press. This was before, really before the time of the internet in terms of what it is now.
1: Yeah, we're talking nineteen eighty six. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and for me as well, you know, it was the, it was the early nineties. Uh, yes, the internet had been invented at that point, but it wasn't what it is, you know, and young kids will pick up on things and again it was the massive influence of these kind of spaghetti westerns which as we've said had a lot of problematic tropes to them but were so fantastical already in their conception that you didn't actually consider the any kind of form of reality that kind of went with them you know they they weren't based on reality particularly also because we were you know we were in the uk so, like, the landscape, all of it was just totally different from anything we knew. The whole, the whole premise, it was entirely fantastical. It wasn't based in, in any form of reality, um, which is probably one of the reasons why it makes us so well with speculative elements. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let's keep going.
1: Yeah, so, sorry, we were halfway through doing tropes, weren't we? So we yes. talked about the, the archetypal cast, which, mm-hmm. you know, they've done a lot with in the last or sort a of few decades yeah. and it's now not usually an all-male cast yeah um but yeah set in rough often lawless lands so you've got your, your bleak prairie you've got your 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 open ranges you've got the small towns that are sort of miles and miles away from each other with enough sort of almost desert in between
0: yeah
1: um tundra type desert there's always where...
0: one rattlesnake <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's
1: always a rattlesnake. <laughs> and you know you could conceivably have outlaws living in the hills um without anybody being able to go and get them because there's just there's there's no one there's there's nothing like that yeah um so that that kind of sort of setting which again yields itself to the adventure story you know unpopulated land nature is as much of an enemy as anything else
0: yeah yeah absolutely um and in some way in that respect it kind of almost nods a little bit to that um uh rural horror the um the 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 folk horror yeah the folk horror um except it's you know set in the uh set in the wild west instead um and there's a lot of you know so immediately you also get those kind of those horror elements that go into just through the environment alone
1: yeah There's also sort of the small towns, the sense of community, but also the claustrophobia that goes with it because everybody knows everyone and everyone knows everyone's business. Yeah, and
0: it's so easy to create weird little groups there, you know, to have weird places, to have this kind of weird sense of, uh, you know, (laughs) of community. (laughs)
1: Well, it is. I mean, uh, the other thing you have to consider is a lot of those little small frontier towns and things tended to have been sort of settled by people who certainly shared a moral framework. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that was um, the vari- one of the various flavours of Christianity or whether you had people like, you know, um, the-, the Mormons in Salt Lake City, it was not really the frontier, but you know what I mean, yeah. where you get... Um, or you have the, well, <laughs> what they say, the Pennsylvania Dutch, don't they? But it's not. They were actually German settlers. Yeah. Um, from way back uh, which is obviously where you get the the Amish yeah we're originally German settlers so you know you have these it's not necessarily a small-mindedness what I mean is it's like this enclosed group of people with shared beliefs it's almost like a portable echo chamber
0: absolutely and what's also very interesting of course is that sort of you had this massive mix of cultures and obviously straight away already um native american folklore is amazing and obviously we've got to bear in mind that there are many many different tribes and they have different beliefs and um different creatures there are some similarities but we can't just say oh we can't generalize that would be very silly to do but things like um you know i love hearing tales about skinwalkers and stuff like that um and they're just already fantastic uh, so you kind of get those in but then you have to remember as well that you've got people who are coming from Germany from Italy, from France, from uh, from Ireland a lot of people come from Ireland and they're each also bringing their own folklore their own horror stories and their own trauma which kind of all mix in with this environmental wilderness and we start to kind of see how both historically and also within fiction you get these speculative elements appearing because we've basically got the perfect set of ingredients for fantasy um horror and sci-fi
1: yeah, I mean, this is obviously where the weird part of weird western comes in. Yeah, um, since because western itself is a flexible sort of mm-hmm. adventure, crime, historical genre blend to start with. Um, it it kind of has the framework to take on other elements too. So as you've just said, fancy horror, sci fi, even romance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Although, you know, if unless you've got sort of a supernatural bent on it, the the ro- adding romance to a western just means you've written a romantic western.
0: Yeah. Which is fine. Um.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's all presented through the filter of weird fiction. Now, the thing with weird fiction is it should feel whimsical and eerie. So, let's look at what we mean by the weird half of the equation.
0: Yeah. So, the other half of the equation is a nebulous genre to say the least um, so it is quite hard to pin down it's not just dark fantasy horror sci-fi or the paranormal um, it usually contains a few of these elements blended together however so for example uh, Lovecraft love him or hate him it's it's a mood as much as it is a genre he, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole yeah. ass mood
1: <laughs> and that's the thing isn't it it's something that Blended in a certain way, sort of. You get to the end of a story and you question your existence. Um, not sort of you question your life choices, but you question your existence in the scale of things. And mm-hmm. I think that is something that Weird Western does tap into, not necessarily with Lovecraft, but mm-hmm. in a similar way to perhaps Lovecraft did. And yeah, I'm not a massive fan of the man, although he did unfortunately write some something a bit genre defining work wise. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We, I mean, we can't yeah. ignore what he did um (laughs) even if we have our own personal feelings about him um you know so weird in weird western isn't meant to describe elements that are merely unusual it's referring to specific mashups of genre for example you know adding zombies aliens setting in a parallel universe etc
1: i kind of want a zombie western now Although to be honest, that is what The Walking Dead is.
0: Yeah, it kind to of is. Extent. Yeah. Um it sort of is, isn't it? But I'm just kind of like zombies in the desert and <laughs> there's just whole ass towns who don't actually know that the apocalypse has happened because <laughs> Oh, you know what, I tell you what, you, you just have to give you just have to give this to uh um to Stephen King. He'd be like, Oh great, I'll set it in Maine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well,
1: I mean, he has written an entire series of weird westerns, which we will touch on. Yeah. um, I don't think they have zombies. No. Okay, let's look at the main archetype. We haven't got time to look at every single archetype. And if you've watched a western and you've watched some weird western, then you'll be able to pick them out anyway. But this one's one that's worth looking at. And that is the cowboy slash cowpoke, the the lone gunslinger, if you will. Um, So this particular trope is a staple of the western and by extension, the weird western. Um, And it's worth examining by itself. Uh, So think of not the actual Lone Ranger, but a Lone Ranger type character. Yeah. A transient figure. who never stays in one place for too long, but rows from place to place on his horse um, with his trusty six shooter always in reach. He tends to he will work with others and he does form friendships, but the alliances tend to be temporary because he's always moving on.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, if this sounds familiar, it should, because uh, this guy is basically the knight-errant of medieval romance, um a character altered for later iterations of Arthurian myth and then polished up again for the likes of Sir Walter Scott and Golden Age Hollywood. So, this is a figure we have seen across the genres, across the ages. Um he is basically, yeah, the mysterious do-gooder who comes into town, sorts things out and then moves on. He doesn't stay put um and it's simply gone from being a knight to sometimes a ranger a a sheriff not a sheriff um a marshal etc it'll depend but it's a very very familiar archetype
1: a mountie if you're in canada yeah it's
0: it's always the mountie i
1: (laughs) remember Weirdly, I remember this is yet another sort of product of there not being very many channels and having to watch whatever was on and feeling grateful for it. I can't even remember what the show was called, but it was set in Canada. And it's where I first heard as a child, the Mounties always get their man. And it was this one guy who wouldn't quite follow the Mountie code, but you know was still considered like the epitome of the Mounties. And he was... I just remember watching as a child and thinking he's way he's a way better cowboy than all the other cowboys (laughs) even though it's in Canada and he's obviously not a cowboy.
0: Yeah, uh, there was a show also due south and that was a Canadian crime uh, sort of drama but comedy where it is it's a Mountie but he goes to I think it's New York City so he's this canadian mountie who just ends up in new york city he has a pet wolf as you do um and it's we watched a few episodes of it it is so funny um and it's just him like various shenanigans where he he's he somehow seems to still be successful despite the fact he's in a completely different element um and you know somehow he still ends up sort of getting on horseback and things like
1: like that yeah see that's made me think of crocodile dundee
2: yeah
1: which again is you can't get much further away from the whole cowboy thing there but it's a similar type of character yeah in the sense of no matter where you throw him he'll still land on his feet
0: yeah yeah very cat-like
1: yeah. Um okay. anyway, so the lone cow poke is usually a little bit more morally grey than the knight errant is supposed to be. Yeah. Although it really depends on the knight errant character. Yeah. Um but the audience is left in no doubt that this is supposed to be the hero of the piece.
0: Yes. Um, So a lot of interesting character work has been done with this guy, both in weird Western and its parent genre. And he does actually pop up in other genres as if lifted from a weird Western. So sometimes you will actually get kind of the cowboy character, um, but not in a Western. So Han Solo is a perfect example of this.
1: Han Solo is my favourite example of this. (laughs) I have to ask myself, would I have thought Han Solo was a great example if i hadn't been, if it hadn't been played by Harrison Ford, and I have to say probably not no, no i I, I imprinted it like a gosling at an early age
0: <laughs> but he does, and it's quite funny because you will sometimes get like a series where you know people have to come together to form a team, and you will have the gunslinger and he you'll have the cowboy gunslinger character um.
1: Dracula.
0: Yeah, Dracula. You've got it in Dracula with Quincy. Quincy, Yes, Um, you've got it in uh, Penny Dreadful with the werewolf, whose name I've forgotten. Name is now gone out of my head too. But him. Yes. Uh, You you, you kind of get it. You get it in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. He just sort of appears a lot. Um, He's a. He's in fact basically this guy is so versatile. This guy is. He's from, this, he's from the Western um, genre, but he, he roves so much, he'll just rove straight into other genres. And I any respect g- that. Any g- yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: literally any genre. It can be any genre as well. That is the thing that gets me. And it's kind of like, and then the cowboy turned up, and I'm like, yeah, seems legit.
0: Yes, totally. we just like, <laughs> yeah, that seems perfectly reasonable. And it's funny as well, because we even even people within the universe will call them the cowboy oh great the cowboy's here and everyone knows what that means you know <laughs> everyone knows it. who I this guy's it. gonna be
1: <laughs> i love it when everyone knows who it is and it's kind of like yeah but you're in an alternate universe which has had a completely different history and never had the the wild west as it were <laughs> how the fuck do you know what a cowboy is
0: <laughs> but they know they know but they know it's just universal
1: so basically, that's what it is. He is a trans dimensional character. <laughs> <laughs> he will cross timelines and space, and it, it means nothing to him. He'll just turn up like a bloody unicorn. Yep,
0: he will. Um, He's, he's quite magical in that way, and he is very, very versatile. Uh, whilst also still being the exact same. Yep. Um, okay, so next is the setting. So, since westerns are rooted in the old frontier, it makes it a logical setup for weird westerns to be set against the new frontier whether that's in space uh reclamation of apocalyptic world traveling across dimensions or even death <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah definitely and um, the the whole thing i think the setting is a lot of what draws people in part of it's the, the, the lone the lone sort of wanderer the cowpoke character yeah. part of it is the setting um for, for people, because there is something about the starkness of the prairie, the unpopulated land, which appeals to the explorer in weirder, weirders, in weirders of Westerns, in readers of weird Westerns.
0: Yeah, I agree. And again, it's actually one of the reasons I think it also translates well into space. Because there is something about, you know, just that emptiness and the fact that you can go on and on and on and on and meet nobody else.
1: Yeah, it's the the final frontier. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this is almost
1: inextricable um, from the sort of sense of freedom of being off grid and not paying too much attention to societal norms and rules and i think that is also something which is hugely appealing to a lot of people so people who don't like westerns quite often enjoy weird westerns yeah and probably for that for the adventure story for everything else that weird westerns
0: without the weird complicated uh you know Issues yeah. that come with traditional westerns. Yeah, sort of,
1: uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't go back down that rabbit no. hole again. Um, we've we've tried. We've done our best. um yeah. So yeah, and the last point is probably why the setting itself has include it encouraged an explosion of, of queer fiction set in a weird west um, setting fairly recently. Hmm. And it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you're looking at frontiers, which Uh, largely untouched and wild and you know nobody lives there kind of thing then it makes sense for those frontiers to also translate into being sort of um moral and societal frontiers as well
0: yeah um and it's it is quite interesting again if you look at the history of it like with regards to sex work and stuff like that and also with regards to women's votes and things like that there were parts of the wild west where women actually had the vote long before um, yeah. <laughs> anywhere else, basically. I mean, that's the, that, that's the
1: thing with places where suddenly every pair of hands matters. And it's kind of like, we don't actually care if the, the, those pair of very capable hands and that brain is attached to a female body mm. or a male body. It's kind of like, it doesn't matter. We just need everybody to work here or we're all going to die.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, it's just the the total recognizing the value of actually we have to agree to to what these women want because if they stop working if they stop you know doing what they're doing and and some of that included sex work and stuff like that everything actually falls apart yeah um so if they ask for it we have to give it to them because we can't really survive as a town without them yeah so yeah um so the next bit is the law or lack thereof, which you know we've we've kind of touched on. But um, you know something weird that Western borrows from its parent genre frequently is the idea of a place that must govern itself because there is little or no infrastructure um, because it's out in the wilds. Um, and I think this is also why it is so good in terms of actually being open to actually having things like sort of queer relationships. Um, and also then having housing horror, essentially, because, yeah, um, and Stephen King does it very well where, you know, he looks at what happens if you do get a small community and they all they all kind of band together. They can get a bit weird.
1: Yeah, it's that portable echo chamber effect again, isn't it? Yeah. Where, um, anyone from the outside becomes deeply suspect because, you know, we've been doing pretty well, thank you. And you don't fit in. and I don't want you messing with the status quo. And yet, the only person who can give you a realistic appraisal of the situation is an outsider. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's. The, there's also something appealing to sort of like the you know the naughty rule breaker in all of us. Yeah. That. Um, that law might be something that is less rigidly structured. Yeah. Um, even less rigidly tried. I mean, I can understand why people would be, sort of, uh, find the immediacy of the whole sort of trip up a rope mentality of a lot of the old wild west kind of um appealing, even mm. though it's horrible when you think about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's also interesting because it again with the setting and the environment, it kind of pulls onto that we're no longer playing by societal rules, we're playing by nature's rules. Yeah. You yeah, know, definitely. um which is that actually it's you know, live or die, band together to survive um you know or 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 die you know alone which is why the lone stranger will actually team up with people and often the lone stranger is basically the guy who goes into town and he gets the whole town he rallies the whole town you know and then he leaves and the whole town is is sort of together he's an instigator and yes he does sort out the majority of the problems but yeah it, it is very much this kind of um you know, survive—not for survival of the fittest—is the wrong kind of term, but it is about survival in the wilderness, as it were.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it also makes a weird Western, an interesting testing ground for issues of morality, judgment, retribution, and defiance of convention. So, the whole sort of not having the infrastructure—you know, the hundreds of years of dedicated um, law and order being continually refined and reformed and, you know, having a book to base everything by. (laughs) Instead, you've got perhaps half a dozen people with good sense, good judgment, and one person making the final decision. And then we've got to do something with them. And guess what? We can't afford to jail them. So if they're guilty and they're guilty of something bad enough that it's more than just a fine, then we need to execute them kind of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, this is also why actually the, the, Uh, you know, The Walking Dead translated well into it as well. Yeah. Um, Because it is that, okay, we've kind of got bands of lawlessness. We've got small communities, but they're each making their own rules. And some of them are desperately holding on to what they perceive to be the right thing. And actually, they're struggling because of it. Because what do you do, for example, with a murderer? In in those kinds of settings, someone who is a risk to you and to everyone else around you.
1: Yeah, because if you exile them, then what you're doing is making them someone else's problem or putting them off for another day when they come back really pissed off with five or six mates.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So. It- <laughs> so yeah. So it's it is quite interesting in that respect.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, one example of this that I thought was really good was um, if you look at the Firefly episode "Heart of Gold," and we will. Talk about Firefly a bit more as well, mm-hmm. but this specific episode, um, it's where the the crew of the of Serenity um, get a call to help one of Inara's companion trained friends. Mm-hmm. So they were at the academy together. She's now set up in a real backwater, and she runs a brothel, but she runs it in such a way that, that you know all the women there have protection. They get regular health checks and things. They all get their own money and they keep it. They make decisions about their own bodies, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, while Pete you know a lot of people would be like kind of like yeah but it's still sex work kind of thing this is a legitimate honest living for these women to do in this particular setup and society yeah and
0: remember again that large amounts of the wild west were based on se- sex work so just going to put that out there anyways go
1: on <laughs> so um so yeah and, and what happens is a local bigwig on the same planet wants to take the child away from a woman who is pregnant with with his baby you know he's been using the services of the brothel he's basically paid so that only he sees this woman she took him on as a client um he got her pregnant she decided to keep the child and now he's decided the child is his but she doesn't want to give the child up to him Mm. he's not a good guy yeah um and he's got a lot of power so he's trying to pressure these women into just giving up this pregnant woman to him so that he can take the baby as soon as it's born and um Inara's friend from the academy is not having this, so she calls Inara and Inara sort of says to says to Mal and the rest of the Serenity crew, um, can we go and check this out? Can we help them? Um so they all get sort of drawn into this sort of almost pitched battle between these two groups of people. Yeah. And once again there's there's no one coming. I mean technically there is an infrastructure because you've got um sort of, like, near sort of the, the, the more capital areas, the capital-type planets and things, you have got science and culture and a police force and, you know, even an intergalactic-type police force. It's just they don't give a shit about the backwaters. Yeah. it's too far out. There's nothing there that's worth their while yet. Yeah. So they're basically just left on their own. No-one's going to come and enforce the law for these women.
0: No, and to be honest, the law is basically the most powerful person who's there, Yeah. which is this guy. <laughs> yeah so I mean that's
1: there's a lot that goes on in that episode but that is quite an interesting take and it is almost classic weird western in terms of having the, the weird and the west and yes actually looking at a moral issue and looking at things that you know kind of push the the frontiers of what people would generally think is acceptable
2: Hmm.
0: yeah completely agree
1: or what they're used to perhaps is a better way of putting it so. yeah
0: the the setup is also uh, ideal for kind of other sort of sub characters, um, including uh, an assassin, a lone gunslinger, um, or sort of revenge type stories. Um, true grit is not a weird western but it is a gender bend on the son loses father revenge arc um and it's lent a lot of its spark to later weird offerings i love that <laughs> weird offerings <laughs> here have this weird offering. weird offering
1: <laughs> yeah i have to say if you haven't read or watched true grit and you know the film takes an awful lot of the dialogue and stuff from the book yeah uh, Charles Portier, I think, is the name of the author. Mm-hmm. Could be quite wrong. But um, the book is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's the one where I go, I don't like Westerns, but may I show you Exhibit A? Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. It's a great book. Um, it's uh, a girl who I think she's sort of like 13. Mm-hmm. Her father gets shot in sort of a horse stealing type incident her mother can't do anything. Her mother's basically powerless and the girl's not having it. Yeah. So she takes off by herself. She rides into town. Um, she goes and sees various people. She tries to get the law put on this person. The law are kind of like, yeah, well, they're gone now. We can't do anything. So she she hires basically her own lone gunslinger who's played by Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, no, not Matt Damon. Matt Damon's the other guy. Um, th- this ageing sort of lone gunslinger type character who's kind of like you know little girl you're not going to ride off into the desert and chase down these outlaws don't be stupid Yeah, kind of thing and she's like well fine I'll go on my own and she's super intelligent she's really good at calculating on the fly and she just sort of outwits all these these men who are completely underestimating her because what this is is this 13 year old girl who says yeah I'm going to kill the people who killed my father Yeah. and it's a really really interesting take on it and you you end up with that sort of like the lone gunslinger and the girl sort of forming almost like a father daughter friendship relationship yeah so you almost have a little bit of the saddle with child, except she's absolutely fucking deadly <laughs> <laughs> because she's really intelligent. She's and
0: saddled with him.
1: <laughs> so she she learns quite a lot about surviving in the desert from him because she has been raised as a girl. She's helped on the farm and stuff because there was no one else to do it. So she's, you know, stronger and more capable than you'd expect. But she hasn't been sat around sewing and yet she obviously hasn't camped out in the desert and doesn't know about, you know, yeah. watching out for snakes, etc. Um, and it's just a really, really amazing story. It's really good, and the dialogue is is absolutely sort of chef's kiss. It's that that snappy, that witty, and that clever. Yeah. So yes, not a weird western, but if you want to see where a lot of weird western ideas probably come from, you check out True Grit. In my opinion,
0: <laughs> I will definitely have to check it out. <laughs> okay. So, why weird westerns? Um,
1: Well, I think in a nutshell, it blends genres in such a way that there's butter for pretty much everyone. If you don't know what I mean by butter, then we have two buttery episodes for you to check out.
0: Full of buttery goodness. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I completely agree. Um, And I do think that's why they're so universal. Um, To the extent that, again, you get these crossovers which are very easy to kind of follow and understand.
1: You'd have to really hate a specific element of a weird Western to go, oh, I'm not interested in that at all, I think, because otherwise if they're done correctly, if they're done as good weird Westerns, there is literally something in there for everyone.
2: Yeah,
0: completely agree. Um, Next, it's an exciting subgenre with a lot of change currently happening. Um, You know, and some of that change is actually about addressing some of the issues of of the western genre and sort of western history as well
1: yeah yeah definitely or you know adding bits of history in that have been kind of ignored or um explored in a way that was unnuanced yeah so that you get to see um you get to see a lot more of it so for i mean for example the whole the horrible sort of cowboys versus american native americans kind of thing is it doesn't help that they kind of lumped everybody together in one tribe and made them enemies or not. And they didn't really say who was, who believed what, or they didn't look at the fact that various different tribes were at war with each other and some ally, you know, there's a, there's a hell of a lot there. Yeah. So yes, addressing some of that um, via the medium of weird Western has been good. And and also there's a sort of relationships between people yeah. and people who have been <laughs> that. I think there's a, a thing whenever you have, one group of people, cultures and things, etc., going and living in a land that's so completely unlike anything that they've encountered where they were originally from. Yeah. You get the kind of mail-order bride situation as well.
0: You do, yeah.
1: Which, it again, is really interesting. You also get the mail-order preacher type.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so the whole sort of, like, we need
1: to send for somebody who fits these criteria to come and live here. And it's kind of a one-way ticket. They're not going home again. Yeah. So... That's always an interesting angle, I think, as well. So there's a lot going in on in there, and then there's a big explanation, explanation, exploration of sort of queer identity and queer relationships and stuff as well in Weird Western.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Um, but lastly, it can just be a huge amount of fun to read and write.
1: Yeah, I've. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll talk about this in a bit, but um, yes, I've really enjoyed writing Weird Western. <laughs> I've definitely enjoyed reading it
0: yeah absolutely and even if we're not actually sort of writing the genre itself there are definitely elements that a lot of people most writers have actually drawn from in some way or another or have enjoyed um as part of another piece
1: yeah, remember, our lone gunslinger can turn up
0: anywhere. Anywhere, anytime.
1: <laughs> it's almost like no one expects the lone gunslinger, no.
2: except you should,
1: because that dude is going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's look at some examples quickly of Weird Westerns that we have enjoyed.
2: Yeah,
0: so, um, so we'll start with the obvious, which is Firefly.
1: Yeah, Firefly is a, a nylon perfect example of your space Weird Western.
0: Yeah, um, and it's... It's a strange one because sort of looking back at it, um, it kind of brings into question all sorts of things. Like, actually, uh, you know, Mal and the Browncoats, were they actually the good guys? (laughs) Were they?
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because technically they were working outside the law and every single one of them had a good reason for working outside the law because they're an outside of the the infrastructure of the society that was there in the central planet. Yeah. Um, because there was a lot of corruption within that, uh, as you see in the film Serenity, which came after Firefly. But, yeah. you know, we it, it was sort of teased all the way through the series. Um, so, yeah, they've all got good reasons, but a lot of what they're doing isn't technically right. Yeah. <laughs> from a moral perspective.
0: No. Um, you know, they're scraping by an existence.
1: Um... The, yeah, the only one who's legitimately employed on that ship is Anara because she's a companion. Yeah. And so a- she is legal, she lends some respectability to that ship otherwise they'd be screwed.
0: Yeah. And again it's very interesting and one of the things I liked was through having Anara having that recognition of actually again the the role of sex work within the Wild West within Yeah um within the history of america um and within the genre too so i kind of liked that because she was she was a bit of a badass character yeah
1: and you know some of the the actual settings that they chose for various different episodes were literally kind of like we're out on the prairie or we're we're (laughs) we're basically um transporting cattle from one place to another i mean their entire like lower deck is like full of cattle at one point yeah <laughs> and a lot of things you know the attitudes in the outer rim planets and things are very sort of like old frontier so yeah i think that's part of what makes it so enjoyable and it's kind of i think joss whedon kind of pokes fun at it with episodes like JaneStown. yeah um <laughs> Where clearly people are working basically as indentured servants, yeah. You know they're not getting paid; they're just building up this this new frontier on this planet, and um, they're they're starving. And he unwittingly plays Robin Hood, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's funny, but it's also kind of beneath the funniness. It's looking at some really dark shit.
2: Yeah.
0: But uh, obviously, no. it. Uh... It never it never got to have its second season, so who knows where that would have gone. We also have the preacher character, obviously, within yeah, it. Sure. And that's the thing is they've got they've got the gunslinger, they've got you know, they've got the cowboy, they've got the the second hand man, which is another big sort of archetype, they've got the preacher, they've got the good doctor as well. You know. Um and it's why also in some respects if you look at Star Trek as well, there's a tiny bit of Western in there as well. Yeah, um,
1: I mean, you don't see it beneath the uniforms and, you know, the protocols, etc. But, yeah. you're right, it is there. Very definitely. Yeah,
2: Particularly okay. with McCoy.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely with <McCoy-ish. laughs> Okay, um, The Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Uh, honestly, I didn't mind the film with Matthew McConaughey and Idris <laughs> Elba, but I know a lot of people hated it. I understand why they hated it as well, because it's, it's nothing like the book's... But the Dark Tower series, um, it is, you have the Dark Man. It starts off with the Dark Man fled across the desert heading west and the Gunslinger followed him, which is a great opening. And it is very definitely, oh my God, this is some sort of western. And then you realise it's kind of a western across parallel universes. Um, and the Gunslinger's quest is for this Dark Tower, which connects all universes, theoretically. Yeah. And things get very weird and eerie and slightly Lovecraftian. Um, so it's a great series. It's quite dark um is Stephen King so yeah <laughs> what do you expect really but again this is a great example of the genre in my opinion oh, and again I won't go into too much detail because I I can't summarize seven books by no. Stephen King in a couple of <laughs> minutes you know that's beyond me um, but again you you you're mixing those elements of the western the classic western and the classic western characters yeah and uh, they're very very weird <laughs> I love that. A book I read recently, Cold as Hell by C. Bruno, I was given an arc of this, Mm -hmm. and I looked at it and thought, I bet that's Weird Western, because it had a guy in a 10-gallon hat on the front. He had glowing (laughs) blue eyes. And it turns out that the main character, our lone gunslinger character, starts off the book dead dead and reanimated
0: oh
2: that's a great way to start
1: (laughs) for the specific purpose of going out and hunting the monsters in the desert kind of thing which was a very cool concept um i actually really enjoyed that book it is very much a boy's own adventure in a lot of ways Mm. um so yeah it's more there's i think there's probably more of a male cast there but you know there's some interesting female characters um it's good fun. I will definitely read the second book because I enjoyed it that much.
0: Okay, that's good. Uh, we then have Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, um, which is kind
1: of a weird one. I, I haven't seen the original anime, so I can't talk about that, but mm. the series Cowboy Bebop is kind of crime noir. Yeah. And yet, if you look at the setup of the, char- the, the main characters on their ship going around space looking for bounties on people,
0: yeah, it feels it, very western.
1: It feels very western. The fact that they're, you know, they're packing six shooters as well. Yeah, they've got other guns, but you know, they are packing these specific guns. Um, you have the sort of bad guy bigwig who owns the club. You have the beautiful dame kind of singing. So again, it's noir, but it's also kind of weird western in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there is a, a relationship between noir and western in some respects the sort of noir is kind of like civilized western if that makes sense yeah (laughs) it's like urbanized western
1: (laughs) i think it on on two points it's kind of they share a lot of archetypes but also it's with both of them being as much a mood as a genre
0: yeah i completely agree um and both are obviously unique because they're very particular to america
1: yeah yeah definitely yeah Uh, Okay, another book, I've recommended this in a past episode years ago, probably now. My God, yeah, it would be years ago. It's Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey, um, which follows, you know, the the whole thing of it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, Women are very restricted in what they can do, etc., and you have the main character who kind of runs away and joins um, this group of women Mm -hmm. who are technically pure women spreading the correct word out in the desert. Mm -hmm. They're they're basically librarians. They're the saddle pack librarians. And then you find out that actually what they're doing is is spreading a lot more information than the information they're supposed to be spreading. So they're not just spreading the propaganda. They are actually spreading good information as well. Um, And that's a really interesting little novella with a sort of queer love story in there as well.
0: Okay, I like that. I do remember you recommending that.
1: Um another one that again I read and it was a couple of years ago now is Seven Blades in Black by Sam Sykes. Technically this is dark fantasy. However, the main character does seem to be wearing <laughs> wearing a cowboy hat a lot of it. Um, <laughs> she also is is packing sort of six shooters. She she is literally the lone gunslinger character. She she's off by herself. She won't and you know, she's a much more morally grey gun lone gunslinger as well. Yeah um and she's out on a revenge arc which is something that when you get a morally gray gunslinger type character is something one of the main arcs that they do go on yeah um it's sort of a post-apocalyptic-y type world but it's you know there's been some big convergence and it it turns out later on that she did have magic and it was taken from her and it's just it, it is really good again um very sort of twisted queer love story in there but definitely one that's worth
2: mm.
1: worth investing in um, she's off out on this this <laughs> on this on revenge arc basically trying to find the people who did her wrong in the past and kill them you know she's very kill is, bill um, very very <laughs> kill but she's I mean she is not making any bones about this it's like yeah what are you going to do when you find them well I thought I might kill them kind of thing. yeah, <laughs> I might rub that out their existence um i haven't actually read the second book which i think is 10 arrows and iron i haven't got to that yet but uh it is good in my opinion this is kind of weird western as well as dark fantasy
0: yeah you know it's strange sort of listening to you talk about it um i was i was just looked up at my bookshelf and i, I can just just see um the dresden files and i'm just there like that is 100 percent urban fantasy but the way they've done the cover yeah is very west
2: <laughs> it with harry in his in his
0: in his coat and his hat
1: <laughs> what made me really laugh was in i mean i love those particular covers i know you prefer the other ones yeah I, I really like those covers, but in one of the later books, I'm not sure if it's one you've read or not, Harry makes a real point of saying, of course not a hat, I don't do hats. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as if Jim Butcher's kind of like, yeah, okay, I get the covers of selling the books for me, but you know what? He's not wearing a fucking hat, okay? <laughs> and then it was very noticeable that the novella that's just come out, Harry is not wearing a hat. <laughs> a little sidebar. And finally, I'll just mention a... Short story by and Maguire called Frontier ABCs, which I really, really enjoyed. Again, you've kind of got this sort of interplanetary frontier
2: Mm.
1: and you've got people going out and colonising, etc. And it's a funny, weird little story. And the main character is a teacher. And that's the other thing. When we talk about mail-order brides and mail-order preachers, etc., you had mail-order teachers for schools and they would teach all the children together. Yeah. So this is kind of a mail order teacher kind of thing. And it t- she turns out to be the lone, lone gunslinger character as well. But she's also teaching the children of the frontier so that they're not just going off to other planets and propagating the same tired shit that, that um, caused them to have to abandon their own planet in the first place.
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: that's really interesting.
1: So I enjoyed that one too. So, this is by no means an exhaustive list of Weird Westerns. I'm sure most of you can come up with others. If you have Weird Western recommendations, I would like to hear them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Please do let us know. So I guess we should just finish off the discussion by saying, have we or would we ever write a Weird Western?
1: (laughs) Uh, In my case, yes. In fact, I i have a series of interlinked short stories which i am tentatively calling the tales of the bartender Mm -hmm. and it's from the perspective of a bartender strangely enough um and but the but this person the bartender is not the main character of each story it's more like they've been the witness
0: yeah
1: all the way through
0: oh i love that
1: um and uh, no, I, you know, it's not finished yet. This is this is what I do for fun when I'm I'm trying to keep myself sane. I go off and write a little bit of something else, and it's what happened theoretically is that there is we started off in our own universe, etc., and then there was some sort of cataclysmic issue, and a whole bunch of people got sucked through a rift
2: right. into
1: what is basically a new frontier. Um, this new frontier. Uh, a lot of the animals are strange so you've got pygmy griffins you've got um, manticores you've got, I mean all the horses and things they ride are basically mythical horses Yeah of of different types Um. and it, it is set up kind of like the Wild West and you have the Saddle Pack librarians, except the Saddle Pack librarians in this actually keep the walls of reality in place by spreading the word. So um there's, there's all this stuff. I haven't actually showed these to you, have I? No,
0: never. This is fascinating. <laughs> I'm learning so something new along with you guys.
1: <laughs> so I've got this, this whole thing all set up and I, I sort of dip into this just when I need a little bit of a break and I, you know, I've know i hit a stumbling block on what I'm currently working on. Mm. Um, I go and write a little bit of weird verse, and then I come back. And eventually I would like to collect all these together and sort of publish them as one volume. Um, we'll see. I don't know if there'd be many takers for it, to be quite honest. I don't know, this sounds
0: is... awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, obviously it's it's super, super gay as well, so <laughs> I should have said that as well. <laughs> it's me, of course it's super gay. Um, but yeah, they're a lot of fun and it it's kind of a poke at the Western genre, but also a sort of, yay, I love weird Western, let me tell you how. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love so, yeah,
0: that, that that's my answer how about you um i haven't written any yet i do have some ideas rattling around in my head they're so fluid at the moment that i i won't i won't give any details um but i've i've actually played sort of uh a dnd thing which was sort of wild west which was actually great fun um and again i'm not going to give any details but that was a, a that was a lot of fun um it in, involved a giant wolf i thought it was great fun um and yeah i i'm very intrigued by it so i think definitely it's on the cards um i'd love to give it a go uh, because it definitely shaped a lot of ideas for me when i was a kid
1: yeah uh, it's there's something very appealing about its versatility Mm -hmm. I think and it's a uh, it really is a lot of fun to write yeah um partly because I just like doing different things with language and that really gave me a chance to do something different with language
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely um I think I might actually at some point try to write a a fantasy western as in like yeah a weird western in that way so Um, universe
1: crossover yeah (laughs) again (laughs) you can meet my rift coyote
0: yay (laughs) well on that note we've actually come to the end of our episode uh before we go however it is time for our dissecting dragons recommendation of the week and this week jules you've got one for us
1: I have. Uh, this has nothing to do with weird western. This is quite a cosy witchy type mystery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very sweet and, but you know, it, it's not just a cosy. It's a sort of cosy fantasy esque contemporary. It's the very secret society of irregular witches by Sangu Mandana. I hope I've said that name correctly. Um, and basically, it follows the main character Mika Moon, who was. The the whole setup here is that there are a certain number of witches who are are just born. And because of an an old curse, something that went horribly wrong when Mm. some witches were working together, all witches become orphaned very early in their lives. So she is one of those who was orphaned. She was raised by a much older witch um, called Primrose. And... It's kind of left her feeling quite adrift in her own life, hmm. but one thing she does know, you know, she's now thirty-one. So the main character's thirty-one, and she's kind of got to this point where, the the rules are that witches don't spend time together. They only meet up for a couple of hours every few months or so. Yeah, because too much magic in one place can cause disasters, and they're supposed to be flying under the radar. And this is set sort of now-ish, basically. Um, But what Mika does do is she runs a YouTube channel um, because she loves magic and she loves talking about magic. And she runs it under the quite correct assumption that anyone who looks at uh, her YouTube channel will go, which is obviously not a witch, because witches aren't real kind of thing. Yeah. Except (laughs) except a a chap called Ken, who is one of a member of uh, a household that is uh, raising three young girls looks at her youtube and goes that's her that's the one we want and they contact her um to come and be a witchcraft tutor to these three young girls who are all witches they're not actually sisters they're from three different families who've been sort of collected up by another much older witch who's then gone off abroad and left them um and their magic is breaking out all over the place, and they need a witch kind of stat. Right. And it goes on from there. And it's lovely. It's a lovely story of found family, a magical disaster, and you know, sort of dealing with a lot of, you know, not necessarily super abusive shit from your childhood, but stuff where perhaps you didn't get as much attention and nurturing as maybe you needed to, and it's left you a little bit sort of without a sense of identity kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really lovely. It's it's super cute and I will say I got an arc of the audiobook. I think the Kindle and Paperback editions are out already. The audiobook should be out soon and it was a really good audiobook as well.
0: Okay, that's really worth knowing. Thank you very much. And on that note guys, we will say thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks and goodbye. Bye!
1: You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons the speculative fiction podcast you can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from itunes for more information visit our facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissecting readers or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughn.com please note no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast